0: MSW Media. <laughs> daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, August thirtieth, twenty twenty three. Today, Judge McBurney rules the entire Fulton County Special Grand Jury Report will be released September 8th, barring objections. A January 6th rioter has been held in contempt of court and sentenced to five months in jail while he awaits his verdict. Five anti-abortion activists have been convicted of a federal civil rights conspiracy. Fonnie Willis responds to the judge who approved an early trial for Cheesebro, but not with the other 18 defendants. A Tennessee special session ends in conflict. And the Proud Boys are set to be sentenced in federal court today. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Sorry I'm losing my voice a little bit. I think it's airplane air. I spent, uh, as you know, a couple of trips on an airplane going across the country, and now my voice is not up to par. So I do apologize for the little bit of vocal fry. I wish there was something else I can do about it. I will do my best to do my smooth falsetto news voice for you so it's not all crunchy. Again, I do apologize. I will do my best. A couple of quick hits before we get to the hot notes. First, Judge McBurney in Fulton County has issued a ruling that the Fulton County Special Grand Jury Report will be released in its entirety September 8th, barring any objections. It'll be fun to see if Donald tries to block it, um, since I'm sure it proves his innocence, right? Like, I mean, the more information comes out, remember, he wanted, like, release the Mar-a-Lago search warrant affidavit, release all of the, you know, Jack Smith investigation documents. I'm surprised he's not calling for the release of the grand jury report. I mean, back on True Social, he thanked the grand jury, the special grand jury in Fulton County for exonerating him. Uh, This was well before um, I think there were, you know, any of the indications that he and 18 other people were going to be indicted. But it'll be interesting to see how he, if he responds to Judge McBurney, wanted to release this whole thing. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, in a filing Tuesday, reiterated her desire for all 19 defendants charged in her Georgia election interference case to stand trial together, telling the judge that her office, quote, "...maintains its position that severance is improper at this juncture." and that all defendants should be tried together. Now, this is interesting. If you listen to today's episode of Clean Up on L45, we talk about the Cheesebro and Sidney Powell motion to have their trial early under the Speedy Trial Act in Georgia, uh, which means you need to have your trial either this court session or by the end of next court session, which is the end of October. And uh, as we know, the judge came back and said, yep, you sure can, Cheesebro, October 23rd. Uh, Bet that's when Fonnie Willis asked for all 19 to be tried, and that he said, no, just cheese, bro. So she wrote this filing. The development came the same day as the judge overseeing the hearing over former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' request to move his case from state court to federal court requested limited additional briefing before he renders a decision on the matter. So that's also going down. After all of the people in the Meadows case to remove his case to federal court have testified now, the judge is asking for more stuff. But Willis's filing came after Judge Scott McAfee, a brand new baby judge. He's only been on the bench for like six, seven months, but he is a well-seasoned trial lawyer. Judge McAfee ordered Kenneth Cheesebro to stand trial October 23rd. Uh, The DA is seeking clarification on that recent order from the judge, which stated that the trial deadlines he set for Cheesebro don't apply to the co-defendants. It "Quote: is unclear to the state of Georgia from the text of the order whether the court's intention was to sever... Cheesebro's trial from the other defendants. In pushing to keep the defendants together, Willis argues in the filing that there is insufficient information before the court for it to determine whether a motion to sever could be obtained by any of the defendants. And again, I talk about this in today's episode of Clean Up on L45, because I'm like, we've got these filings from Cheesebro and Powell, but we don't have any response from Fonnie Willis. I said, I'm sure she intends to file a response. And here it is. Uh, so this didn't make it in today's episode of Clean Up on Al 45, but it will definitely be in next week's and we'll talk about it. The filing from Fani requests that, at minimum, the judge orders former Trump campaign attorney Sidney Powell to be tried on the same date as Cheesebro, along with anybody else who files under speedy trial. She wants as many of them together as possible. And he didn't say that in his order either. So at minimum, they, they must be tried together. But we need to talk about the severability. She said she's asked the judge to set a deadline for any defendant who wants to sever their case. Trump, Cheesebro, Meadows, Powell and 15 others, as we know, were charged in a sweeping racketeering indictment. Uh, the former president says his actions were not illegal. Now, Meadows charges relate in part to his role for the January 2nd, 2021 phone call that Trump made to Georgia Secretary of State Raffensberger. actions that Meadows argues he took as a federal official acting under color of his position. As the White House Chief of Staff. Meadows testified at his hearing Monday that his case should be moved to federal court because he didn't do anything that was outside of his role, while prosecutors argue that his actions were purely political and unrelated to his official duties and therefore can't qualify for removal. But in this judge's order, filed on Tuesday, he essentially asks, what if some Meadows' action were performed in his official role and some weren't? Quote, would a filing that at least one but not all of the overt acts charged occurred under the color of Meadows' office, would that be sufficient for federal removal? That's what the Fulton County Superior Court judge asked. This gives Fonnie Willis a chance to weigh in here in federal court, and both sides were ordered to submit their responses by Thursday afternoon. Now, I have asked that if one overt act is enough to move Meadows' to trial to federal court, could D. A Fanny Willis simply strike that overt act from the indictment? She only needs two predicate acts to convict, and she has 34 predicate acts and 161 overt acts. And the two, the two acts don't have to have anything to do with Meadows' conduct specifically because they're all part of a criminal enterprise. Remember, I talked to Dave Ehrenberg about that, and we got that answer. But, you know, I want to just mention with this cheesebro severability thing. You know, Fonnie Willis says, look, we haven't had a hearing about severability. Cheesebro didn't file a motion to sever. He just filed for speedy trial. And severance of this defendant was not addressed in your honor's order. So, you know, she's kind of just sort of teaching him Georgia law here. Like, hey, we should have a hearing about severability. I want all 19 defendants tried at the same time. So but at the minimum, could we at least put, you know, Powell and Cheesebro together on October 23rd. And I would also like to have a hearing about severability. We'll see what happens in these rulings. Pete and I will talk about it on the bonus episode to clean up this weekend. And of course, on the full episode that comes out next week. All right, next up from Ryan Riley at NBC, who I ran into at the courthouse, the federal courthouse. It was cool to see him. A Donald Trump supporter. This is a bizarre story. Uh, a Donald Trump supporter who continues to believe that the election was stolen told jurors at his trial today on Tuesday that he felt very comfy sitting in a senator's seat during the January 6th attack on the Capitol. This is Brandon Fellows, who has called January 6th a beautiful day and has said he liked the fact that senators and members of Congress feared for their lives. And he's representing himself in a trial that began last week. Quote, we had to take the election back. It was stolen, he said, on the stand on Tuesday. Fellows is facing a federal felony charge of obstructing an official proceeding, that is 20 years max, and aiding and abetting, along with misdemeanors in connection with the Capitol attack. He's also accused of smoking pot inside a hideaway office that belonged to Senator Jeff Merkley. Quote, I didn't know it was a senator's desk. Felt very comfy, he said. Fellows said he believed he was fighting against, quote, the corrupt government on January 6th, but said he did not take part in any violence himself, even if he supported it. Fellows said he believed that some violence on January 6th was preferable to more violence down the line. Quote, it's the people's house. We had the right to overthrow it. (laughs) After the jury left the courtroom on Tuesday morning for a short break, the district judge, Trevor McFadden, this is a Trump appointee, said he believed Fellows had forfeited his right to engage in a rebuttal because when answering the questions during the government's cross-examination, he offered a running commentary and avoided answering yes or no questions. He eventually said, I would expect nothing less from a kangaroo court as he came off the witness stand. Again, McFadden, who was appointed by Trump, has been critical of the government's approach to some of these cases and has handed out sentences far below those requested by the government. The jury finished hearing evidence midday Tuesday after Fellows's testimony. The jury instructions were expected to take place on Tuesday afternoon, followed by closing arguments. And as if that weren't wild enough, Judge Trevor McFadden then entered a minute order on the docket, charging fellows with contempt, criminal contempt, and ordering him to be jailed for five months for his conduct in the courtroom, just for the contempt. The jury's still deliberating on his crimes on obstructing an official proceeding, which carries a 20-year max sentence. And in the meantime, he's been ordered to serve five months in prison for what he did in court today. I'll let you know when they return with a verdict. In other January 6th news, former leader of the Proud Boys could face the longest prison sentence of any January 6th defendant when a federal judge this week hands down punishments for members of the far-right group convicted of seditious conspiracy charges. Now sentencing is set to move forward after U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly oversaw an all-day hearing Tuesday in the Proud Boys case that included the reading of victim impact statements. All five defendants who are in jail while they await sentencing were in court wearing orange jumpsuits. Prosecutors are seeking 33 years in prison for Enrique Tario, the former leader, when he's sentenced in the morning. Ethan Nordine will be sentenced Wednesday afternoon, with prosecutors seeking a 27-year prison sentence. On Thursday, Joe Biggs, who prosecutors want to spend 33 years behind bars, will have his hearing. That same day, a judge will sentence Zach Rell, who the Justice Department wants to serve 30 years. Dominic Pozzola, the only Proud Boy convicted in the case who was not found guilty of seditious conspiracy, will be sentenced on Friday, and they're looking for 20 years in prison for him. Jurors reached verdicts in the Proud Boy's case last May, following a four-month trial that began with jury selection in December. Other members of the Oath Keepers have also been found guilty of seditious conspiracy, with founder Stuart Rhodes sentenced in May to uh, serve a record 18 years in prison. That's the longest sentence so far to date, and it came in seven years under the proposed guidelines, and as we know, Merrick Garland has filed his intention to appeal those sentences for being too short. At Tuesday's hearing, the defendants heard victim impact statements from three current and former members of the U.S. Capitol Police. U.S. Capitol Police Officer Shay Cooney delivered an emotional statement, saying through tears that this was one of the first times she had discussed the fear and pain she experienced during the riot. She also alluded to the death of a friend, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who collapsed after fighting rioters and died the next day. Quote, every day, we have to be reminded that he's not here anymore because the people in this courtroom decided they weren't happy with how an election went. And they thought the best idea was to break into the Capitol, fight police officers, and try to overturn an election. U.S. Capitol Police Inspector Thomas Lloyd, a frequent witness during January 6 trials, also expressed his pride in the officers he commanded during the riot. Saying, quote, despite the tremendous beating my personnel took on January 6th, all those who could walk showed up to work the next day. That's what he said. And he went on to say, once again, I could not be prouder. A third victim, Capitol Police Officer Mark Ode, could not attend the hearing in person but sent a letter for prosecutors to read on his behalf. He wrote that January 6th was a planned and organized attempt to overthrow our constitutional process by individuals who determined that their opinion of the few were superior to our Constitution and decided to use violence and terror to impose their will. Next up from Julia Shapiro at The Hill, a special session of the Tennessee General Assembly ended on Tuesday with a shouting from the gallery and a confrontation between the Republican House Speaker and one of the Democratic lawmakers known as the Tennessee Three on the House floor. The House's decision to adjourn the special session without any significant gun safety legislation and without addressing any new business after the session was called in response to a March shooting at the Nashville elementary school that left six people dead. That led to outcries from members of the public in the gallery overlooking the chamber. As lawmakers left the House floor to chance of vote them out, Republican House Speaker Cameron Sexton and Democratic Rep. Justin Pearson had a brief, minor physical confrontation, leading other members to rush forward and separate them. That's according to videos of the incident. What I saw was that Justin Pearson was peacefully protesting, holding up his sign, and Sexton walked by and shoulder-checked him. That's what I saw. Democratic rep Justin Jones also later took to the podium to bang the speaker's gavel and shouted, this house is out of order. Pearson and Jones are both members of the Tennessee Three. We know the trio of House Democratic lawmakers that Republicans expelled from the chamber earlier this year, only to have them voted back into their positions. While Pearson and Jones, who are black, were both expelled, their white colleague, Gloria Johnson, was not. Both lawmakers ultimately won back their seats in the Tennessee House, as I said. But, I mean, you can't unring that bell. That big racist bell. House Republicans voted to silence Jones during the special session on Monday after determining he had breached the chamber's newly adopted rules by straying off-topic from the bill being debated. Jones had announced earlier on Monday he was planning to call for a vote of no confidence for Cameron Sexton due to his continued abuse of power and dishonor to the public office he holds. And from the U.S. Department of Justice of Public Affairs, a federal jury convicted five defendants today of federal civil rights offenses in connection with reproductive health care clinic invasion in D.C., in October of 2020. The defendants were each convicted of felony conspiracy against rights and a Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act offense. According to evidence presented at trial, Lauren Handy, John Hinshaw, Heather Idoni, William Goodman, uh, and Herb Garotti of Pittsburgh and others engaged in a conspiracy to block the reproductive health care clinic to prevent it from providing patients from receiving reproductive health services. The evidence at trial showed that Smith, Hinshaw, Idoni, Goodman, Garotti, and Handy traveled to D.C. from various states to participate in a clinic blockade that was directed by Handy and was broadcast on Facebook. The defendants conspired to and did forcefully enter the clinic and block access to the clinic using their bodies, furniture, chains, and ropes. Once the blockade was established, Footage of the activities was live-streamed. Evidence also showed the defendants violated the FACE Act by using force and physical obstruction to injure, intimidate, and interfere with the clinic's employees and patients because they were providing or obtaining reproductive health services. The defendants each face up to a maximum penalty of 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of up to $350,000. Fuck around, find out. All right. We have a lot of good news to get to. So let's do that. Uh, let's take a quick break first and we'll be right back. Stay around. After these messages, we'll be right back. It's no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they're the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. The issues of the day are really complicated. Everybody loves a good hot take, but really understanding an issue takes some digging. I'm Asha Rangappa. I teach national security law at Yale University. I'm a former FBI special agent, and I'm a legal and national security analyst. And I'm Renata Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And we're here to help you understand topics That can't be boiled down to a soundbite or a tweet. Join us each week as we dig deep into pressing legal topics. Listen to It's Complicated anywhere you get your podcasts and check out our YouTube channel. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, uh, idioms of the world, assholes of the Senate, misheard song lyrics, whoopee stories, a shout out to a loved one, a shout out to a small business in your area, uh, frog orgies, baby pictures, anything you want to send to us, Dane will be back tomorrow. Send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, from B-knighted aspirational knight of the koala-shaped table. I don't remember where I just saw this, but someone called Trump in his mugshot trumple trumple guilt skin and i think that's pretty great i'm the in-house sound engineer for a left-leaning live music venue in canberra australia and listening to the daily beans is something i look forward to on the way home from work each night shout out to the venue smithsalternative.com uh be knighted. do you have seats is that a seated venue can i do a live podcast there let me know next up from lauren pronouns she and her just a suggestion for the cat breed guessing section Cat me if you can. I love it. Okay, bye for meow. (laughs) All right, cat me if you can. Send in your cats and I'll try to guess the breed. (laughs) That's going to be funny. Next up from Holly Barbo, pronouns she and her. Shout out to me. Excellent. I love these. I worked beside my husband for 45 years building beautiful custom wood furniture. When he died, suddenly I found myself with a wood shop full of exotic wood scraps. Using those upcycled remnants, I began to reinvent my life from what I'd been to what I'm becoming. So my good news is I'm evolving from partner Holly to Holly standing on her own. This healing is expressed through beautiful creations. I'm making unique uh, charcuterie. Oh, awesome. I took my original wildlife drawings, laser etched them into a center maple panel and began to add exotic wood strips, much like I'm doing in my real life, creating a new heart and rebuilding outward, one precious piece of wood at a time. Oh my gosh. I am selling them at my Etsy store, Owl Kitty Enterprises. That's the animal owl, the animal kitty, and enterprises. We'll have a link in the show notes. The name comes from the two critters that comfort and keep my world together. Otherwise, it would just be static cling. For my pod pet tax, I'm sharing a find the kitty picture. I'll pause while you find her. Misha Kitty sleeps on my lap as I watch TV in the evening. One night, I was cycling around trying to find something to watch. I found a short called Piper. There are no words. It's just nature sounds and cheeping. Misha's ears perked up, and she hopped up and down and stared at the screen. Before I could reach for my phone, she'd given a meow and disappeared completely behind the screen, looking for the source of the birds. The picture was taken when the credits were rolling, and, mystified, she peeked out as if to say, Where are the birds? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, first of all, this wood work is amazing. Bald eagle. I think that's a blue heron. Oh, and there's the kitty peeking out. (laughs) Where's the birds? Wonderful. Excellent, Holly. Thank you so much for that. And again, it's called Owl Kitty Enterprises on Etsy. These are absolutely gorgeous. I love that you're doing this. All right, next up, Tim from Madison. Moved status from listener to Patreon supporter this weekend. Thank you, Tim. Love all the shows. They sustain me on my insane commute, 80 miles each way. Ugh. For the good news, we recently had to move our 90-year-old aunt into assistant living in Madison, leaving her Chicago home of nearly 60 years. A huge, disruptive, and emotionally charged event for someone who lived on her own for all that time. The facility allows pet visits, so our precious little Irish mini doodle, Garth has made a number of visits to help the transition. He even broke out of her room once and found his way to the dining room. Now our normally shy aunt has a great conversation starter with her new neighbors, as they will all ask about the next time her poochie pooch friend comes for dinner. This weekend was National Dog Day. Yes, it was. And the assisted living facility brought in other dogs as well as Garth and had a puppy chow uh, line on the lunch menu. That's so cute. The joy on the residents' faces as they interacted with different dogs demonstrated the greatness of the unconditional love that our fur friends can provide. For pet tax, Garth, self proclaimed official Beans Irish mini doodle. He is sporting his dapper bow tie worn for the visit. I love Garth so much. Totally looks like a young golden version of the Fraggle Rock dog. Yeah, Sprocket. Sprocket the dog. Look at that. You're totally right. The ears, the ears are everything. Thank you for that. That's so wonderful, Tim. I appreciate that entry. Next up from Dee, pronounced she and her. Hello, Beans Queens and the wonderful staff. We know you make this happen. For the first time, I have a pet tax to share. Why? Because this is my first pet, not including my husband and kids. (laughs) I have never really been a pet person until we had a dog sit for my husband's aunt. Lulu is a toy poodle mix of some sort that adopted me while we were watching her, and I love her. Well, we had to give her back, and then I thought, maybe having a family dog isn't such a bad idea. We started to check out some nonprofit home rescues, and lo and behold, we found Sabine, the newest member of our family, right off the bat. She's been amazing, an amazing fit into our family. She plays well with the kids, and just wants love and belly rubs. She hilariously sleeps on her back, which just cracks me up. As per tax, I'm submitting a picture of both Lulu and then Sabine, I have a little more to share about Sabine, but first, can you give me a what-the-mutt guess? All right. Well, there's Lulu, who's adorable. Sabine looks like there's some schnauzer and some Australian cattle dog and some terrier. That's what I'm guessing. We've got mini golden doodle. What? She was taken from a puppy mill and sent to the rescue along with the rest of her litter. They all had amazing patterns, and a friend of mine questioned if she was actually a golden doodle since there's such a unique, you know, coloring. So I went to the internet for some answers. Sabine's coat is called a black phantom, so she's a black phantom mini golden doodle. I had no idea that was even a thing. Me neither. I didn't know that was a thing either. I, th- I was like, well, it looks like kind of a schnauzer with the Austin. All right, some nerd fun for the Star Wars fans out there. We named her Sabine because her chest looks like a Mandalorian helmet and Sabine is just an amazing character in the Star Wars Rebels series. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Additionally, the main ship in Star Wars Rebels is the Ghost and their short range shuttle is called, as you may have guessed it, the Phantom. Oh, it works on like 10 levels. We named her before knowing what her coat pattern was called. Oh my God, perfect. The planets all aligned when we got this girl and apparently her namesake is no different. We're so incredibly lucky to have her in our family. She's so cute. Oh, what a sweetie. Thank you for submitting that. Thanks to Tim for your puppers. And of course, you know, Holly for your kitty and Lauren for the suggestion of cat me if you can. And of course, the koala shaped table, night of the koala shaped table. Um, Thank you so much for trumple guilt skin. I won't forget it. If you have any good news or anything you want to send to me at all, Dana will be back tomorrow. I promise. Um, I mean, unless there's some weird traveling thing that's happened. But as far as I know, she'll be back with us tomorrow. And We got a lot of news coming down tomorrow. So I hope you tune in Uh, and please send your good news to us. Dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. And yes, I will have some hot tea. (laughs) I've been AG and them's the beans.